welcome to you. It is my pleasure to be here with two guys who I've actually known on and off for years in one guise or another. But bearing in mind we don't have long, I need you to be vocal in, in a bit, but let's, let's start the proceedings with a bit <coughs> of background knowledge to find out where these boys came from and how they got to where they got. So I was wondering, one of the thrilling things with having both of you here is that your backgrounds are so very different, and yet, as with everybody in the world, they're, so, they're, they're very much the same. But if I start with you, Dave, um, there you are at school, Birmingham. I'm assuming that you're not on your own in that you're not the only black kid in your school. No. No. <coughs> so a happy, buoyant sportsman. And that, that intrigues me about you because I like the confidence that sport and music and all these things give children. Mm -hmm. So there you are with a chance to be, you know, play for Birmingham FC. <laughs> but you've got that chance. Not funny. <coughs> um, no, but the, the, the thing is, I was always just, I was just always a naughty boy. I was a mischievous, naughty boy. I wasn't particularly very academic. I didn't really, I didn't really get school. I wasn't, I didn't really, I was, I, I wished I did. Um, in, in later life. I didn't really get it, so I, I kind of turned up because all my mates were there. And as you say, because I played football, rugby, cricket, basketball, athletics, I did all the kind of sports. And, and then I started messing around in the school plays and things. And um, I was just very, very fortunate that I had these two teachers, two English teachers, who uh, literally rang me up um, like a week before I left school and said, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I really didn't have an idea. I had no idea what I was intending to do. And they, they said, look, well, we've been talking in the staff room, and we think you should be an actor. And it really was, as you say, a light bulb moment, because I, hadn't even, I didn't even know I, I, and how you became an actor. I didn't know what you, an actor did. Um, um, and there weren't any black actors on television that I, would, could, I could kind of I could kind of recognize, so, so it was, it just seemed like such a ridiculous idea. I, I, my mother and father said no, um, immediately <laughs> said no, but I kind of just went for it, and it's just been, a, this whole career has been a miracle, and partly thanks to one of the women out there, my agent, who's just fantastic, but um, I, I've been very, very, very lucky to find myself the naughty kid at the back of the class who didn't particularly pay attention, pay attention to being Hotspur on this very stage is extraordinary. It is extraordinary, yeah. um, but it, you know, it is very much, I, I don't know an actor who wouldn't say there were similar, you know, issues with, within their childhood. Yes. I yeah. mean, the class clans are classic, classic. really. Yeah. And I would ask you that question, Mr. Wilmot, were you a class clan at school? <coughs> yeah, I suppose I was. Yeah. I was, I was a terrible student, and um, in fact, my maths teacher, Mr. Meek, I'll always remember that name, used to call the register and then tell me to stand outside which is, is absolutely true and despicable. And uh, the only uh, one day the deputy headmaster came around and asked me what I'd done. I said, I hadn't done anything, sir. And, God, did that Mr. Meek get a rollick in? Yeah. Good. Uh, and that, yeah. That's Why did he ask he's done that right? Because he couldn't handle me. He just, I was always messing around. I was always doing that. <laughs> Do you think kids mess around, though? One, I mean, yes, you've got the acad academia thing, that you're either good at maths, good at reading, and sometimes it, it's a distraction because you can't read, you can't mm. write, and you can't do maths. Sure. So it could be a question. But also because you're bored and, and you're very bright. Uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know the reason. I can guess at why I behave that way. I mean, there weren't... Uh, you, 
suggested there were a lot of black kids at your school. Yeah. There were hardly any at mine when I was in the, in the mid-60s. Uh, you watch all those black and white movies and you hardly see any black kids there. In the school I had two, Edwin Adoja and Stephen Sango. They were about my only two black mates. Uh, good Irish names. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, they were my only mates. And, uh, but I, I mean, my father, who he was in show business, and, but he died when I was very young and I was a black kid in a, a predominantly white school, so maybe I did it as a defense mechanism. I can only offer that up as a reason. Yeah. But to be quite honest, I think I was probably just a bit thick then. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have any desire to, 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 for academia at all. Mm. I just wanted to mess around for my life, and, uh, and show business gave me the opportunity to do that. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a joy, isn't it? We don't actually have to grow yeah. up. The other thing that, that you said was that, that somebody gave you the idea, somebody rang you mm. at some joyful teacher and said, we think this, yeah. at a time when you're so deeply, you, you, you know, you're so full of hormones and girlfriends or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't even go there. <laughs> but it, it's, it's an interesting thing that you do need the backup of somebody. And your story has got the backup of somebody seeing your essence and your talent and suggesting... Yeah, well, my fr it was all my friends. Um, th they all thought I was... They all used to make them laugh a lot. And um, uh, I just thought I was doing what they were doing. I thought we were all making everybody else laugh, but evidently not. And they told me I was better than that rubbish on the television. And, uh, and five years after that, they were saying, congratulations, you are that rubbish on the television. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, uh, but, but it was those. In fact, one guy, a guy called Stephen Smith, who it's funny how people come into your life, they affect you, and then they go again. You never see them. And Stephen Smith, I met out in Benidorm on a holiday one time. He was just one of the guys there. And when we came back, he, he actually went to an agent and got a card and gave me the card and said, I've told this guy that you will ring him. He was a theatrical agent. And, uh, uh, and I... I just did. I phoned him and he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I sing a bit. He said, my, my mate said, you're funny. And I said, okay, well, I'm funny. And he put me in, put me in contact with a, an impressionist who was on a program called Who Do You Do? And, um, and he was giving tuition to young performers. And, uh, and uh, so I went along with him and then really that was it. He got me a, a show in a, in, a, in a workingman's club in London and then that reputation spreads and you know, well, what did that involve back then? Because like now, for example, comic mates of mine mm. would need a seven-minute set, 12 minutes, and then jump to 40-minute set plus. So uh, what, did, what did he make you do? Well, it wasn't stand-up. Wasn't, you had stand-up comedians, but that wasn't the general term for people who stood there and entertained. And, uh, but, and, and that's hopefully what I did. But you, you had to get a one-hour one show together, and then yeah. you would go and work the working men's clubs up and down Britain. Um, I'm sure your dad did the same when he yeah. first started. They were all over the place, working men's clubs. Not so much in London. There, were, there are, or were, quite a lot, but up in, yeah, certainly in Wales and the northeast and Scotland, there were loads, loads of working men's clubs, and you could make a really good living touting your show around. And then, of course, uh, light entertainment was a, was a big thing on television. Um, so you would perhaps be a guest on someone like Tom O'Connor's show, uh, and then, or Jimmy Tarbuck. In fact, your dad interviewed me um, on, on Tarby and Friends. And um, uh, and then eventually you climb the ladder and you get your own television series, which is what I got, and had three terrific series of that. So hard work, though. Oh, really? The pressure is unbelievable, unbelievable. And the keep having the new have. stuff out, and you've used all your material up. Then you've got to find more. It amazes me uh, how um, how comedians today go on the television and they're continually funny with new material all the time because that was never the case when I started. You had your show and you worked on it. And that's what you did. Mm, I guess there's there's more subversive ways of doing it now, really, like Edinburgh and things. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Dave, there you are. You've applied to RADA. 
And did you think, I mean, you applied to RADA presumably because it was the one that you knew about or the most well-known drama school? I actually applied to about, uh, I, I actually applied to about 10 drama schools, all of them. I didn't know anything about acting. I didn't know anything about, I didn't know anything about drama schools. And I got into uh, one drama school, and, um, which I won't mention, but s somebody said, oh, um, um, it's a shame you're not going to RADA. And I said, why is that? He said, because it's the best one. And I, uh, and I kind of, I thought to myself, that's strange. And I remembered I'd cancelled, because I'd got into this other drama school, I'd cancelled my RADA auditions, Lambda, Central, Weber Douglas, and Guildhall, which apparently, apparently were the top five. And <laughs> I swear to you not, touch wood, but for some ungodly reason, my RADA cancellation letter never arrived. So I was literally sitting at home one day, and I got a phone call from the principal saying, why didn't you turn up for your audition? And I said, I immediately lied and said, oh, my mother was ill, I had to take care of her. And, <laughs> and, and, and she, he said, well, you're very lucky because there's a space on Friday, which was the next, the next day. He said, would you like to take this space? I said, yes. And I learned a speech that night. I learned a song that afternoon. I went down with complete devil may care attitude, t-shirt, pair of jeans, and I got in. And um, it's <laughs> quite right. Complete fluke. So, so, and I remember sitting there on my first day, and they were talking about Moliere and Brecht and Dostoevsky, and I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I had no, I had no idea who they were because I'd literally, I'd never read, I'd, li I'd read two plays before going to Rada. And that was just a, for my audition pieces. I knew nothing about the industry, knew nothing about playwrights, and knew nothing about Shakespeare. And so I was very lucky that, for me, RADA was like a second education, particularly in terms of English literature. And I completely fell in love with, you know, poetry and, 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 and imagery and, and language. And it's a safe place to do that. Yeah, because you know, you you're not going to be mocked. Yeah. For picking up the sonnets. Exactly. Well, I couldn't do. And I remember going back. To, I don't know about you. Or, or, you know, I went back to Birmingham talking like that. You know, and my mum was terribly worried because she thought I was. She thought I was turning into some kind of posh guy because I was. I was saying, "Can I have a bath?" <laughs> they, you know, they were encouraging me to go. Encouraging me to kind of use um, RP. And, and your mum was surprised that you wanted a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, <laughs> should have asked for a bucket. <laughs> uh, but she, they were really kind of. It was. It was. It was a real, a real chance for me to kind of fall in love with with learning all over again. So I was chuffed. It is. It's the joy of of coming to education in, in the Later. next stage of yeah. your life. Yeah. But then, for both of you, how was it with the family that you suddenly find yourself in this industry that's not necessarily natural to them? It's not particularly what they wanted you to do because you know even when I was at, at drama school you've still got that thing of actresses it, you, you're obviously a loose woman you, you still <laughs> counter that on a daily basis mm. which is deeply offensive yeah, well, <laughs> well I grew up with a nickname junior everybody called me junior my, my mum my dad everybody called me junior and as soon as I came into show business I was Gary and even now when I ring my those very friends who push me into show business and I ring up I go it's Gary here and they go oh junior how's it going mate all right they all still come with Junior, so they all, they've supported me all the time. You know, they come and see things that I do. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't, and they tell me, and, yeah. and their, honesty, their honesty is much appreciated, yeah. But, but uh, uh, was your mum chuffed a bit that you'd gone into My mum, she didn't last too long after I came into show business. She was very ill when I came in, and, uh, and she died 
I, just as I literally just as I was starting show business, almost like my work is done here, and, yeah. and off I went. Um, I think she had her reservations because, as I said, my dad was quite a, su a successful singer, and uh, and she saw what it could do to a person because um, uh, he was away a lot. Yeah. I mean, even I was I was seven when he died, and and I don't remember very much of him because summer season was just six months long. You know, winter seasons they were touring all over the place, Germany and places, and. Uh, uh, so I didn't see too much of him. Uh, yes, yeah, so, but I think she was a little bit wary. But uh, so she never really got to see any kind of success. Oh, she's watching, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, I don't sure doubt that is. for yeah, a yeah. minute. <laughs> and Dave, did, w was was mum and dad at, at home? Were they chuffed to bits with you, or did they worry that you oh were God. turning into Lord Fauntleroy? They, they, they were. I was terrified. I mean, I was. I'm, I'm still am. I'm the only. I'm the only child of my, my family that's left home. You know, <laughs> the, 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 the rest of them are all still in Birmingham. Um, you know, doing various jobs, but you know, I, I left to go to drama school at uh, 17, 18. And yeah. You know, living on my own in in in, in London was was they they, could, they just couldn't understand it, and, and also they they just didn't obviously they say they didn't understand the business. So they um, I think you know even though I played Romeo uh, coming out of drama school and did a whole load of fairly classic theatre, it was only until I got on the bill that they finally kind of. When they see you on the telly, that's yeah. when they, that's they, it. they that's when the they see you on the, on the box, they go, now he's made, I, now yeah. I see. That's when they fully understood what I was doing. And mm. Well, then they've got something to talk about with the neighbours who've exactly. seen, the and neighbors it's like, oh, seen it. don't ask, he's doing casualty next week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a night, but, it, it, but it's yeah. true, isn't it? Because yeah. plays, so what? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter that you're in the West End. No, it's when you're on the telly. That's there were a couple of Russian plays at RADA that you were terribly good at. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I remember one or two be being there with you. I think I was probably playing a tart. <laughs> now, uh, the uh, tarts and old women, I was really good at them. I also want to know that we're, we're at this stage now where you're jobbing, and I think at an interesting point within the evolvement of of um, equality for everything, whether whether you be disabled, whether you be female, whether you be black, all sorts of things are changing. In amongst this, you've got people with interesting visions, like directors, who suddenly want to do something different with their piece. And I'm wondering how important directors have been in your career. So there you are, as I say, jobbing. You suddenly want to do something else with yours, or because I'm thinking of you going into musical theatre. Yeah, that was that was a, an unusual step for me. Yeah. And um, when I um, the first show I was offered was uh, me and my girl, and uh, whilst it was a very modern production, it still retained that kind of variety element of it. So I walked in there, and it was fantastic. I didn't have to drive to Newcastle. My shirts were ironed. The band were great. The set was great. It was. I just went. This is fantastic. This is what I want to do. But they gave me the role of. Uh, uh, well, in fact, I auditioned for Mike Ockran, probably the most influential director I've ever worked with. He was a brilliant, brilliant man. And uh, he was the guy who first directed Educating Rita and, and loads yeah. of stuff. He's sadly no longer with us. But, uh, and I went along just to be seen by him because he was a big director. And I knew I'd seen me and my girl and, and loved it, but knew that I wasn't right for this part. You Why? Know. Because Robert Lindsay was so good in it. Well, uh, yeah, he was great. And mm. so were the others. But they were all white. So they wasn't they weren't going to look at me. I just thought it would be great to go and audition for this guy in case he'd got any jobs in the future for for black actors. You know, it'd be wonderful to do that. And uh, and so I went along, and it was the it was <laughs> it was a strange audition because the whole. Uh, the, 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 the creative team were all sitting there, including Mike, and I walked in, and I'd love me and my girl so much. I was going, oh, that bit there, and this, and I sat over there, and I was, all the things you shouldn't do. You know, I was going, that's brilliant, that is. That's fantastic. 
And, um, there's nothing cool about what I was doing anyway. They, uh, so, and I, I thought, I'm nobody's idea of an archetypal Cockney character from 1937. Um, so, so I didn't really, but the next day they phoned me up and they said, we'd like you to audition for the producer because we think you'd make a good Bill Snibson. Uh, the interesting thing is, um, uh, it, it, me and my government, just very briefly, is a story of a, of a, of a, of a bastard son who, who gets um, uh, raised from his, it, it, well, uh, he's, from, he's from Lambeth, basically, and uh, he doesn't know, but his father was an earl, and the earl dies, there's no one to inherit, so they, the solicitor goes and gets him and brings him back, and it's all about them educating him in the way of saying bath and things like that. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it was great for me, I loved it, it was a real class thing. Uh, but about six months into the ru run, as an American guy stopped me at the stage door and he said, oh, great show, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. When's it coming to the States? And I said, well, it's actually there at the moment. He said, really? Who's playing your part? And I said, uh, I said oh, Jim Dale. And he went, the English guy? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, geez, I, I suppose it could be played by a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, for him, it was nothing to do with the class. It was to do with the colour. So yeah. he suddenly opened my eyes. I was weird. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's weird. So with you, my lord, mm. you um, you know, different being at drama school in that they're um, you know basically people are people. You're good or you're bad. Although I say that that's quite glib for me to say. Who maybe changed your life by casting you? And I'm assuming it was a director rather than a casting person. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd slightly, I had a slightly different experience. In, yeah. In, in, in that I, I played. I think it was a couple of years out of drama school, I played um, uh, Sloan um, in Entertaining Mr. Sloan. And Sloan is bisexual and a murderer. And actually, it was the local black newspapers who really gave me a hard time and were saying I shouldn't play that. And, and it, 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 that was a very difficult, I remember that being a very difficult, that was the first time I'd become, be, become color conscious. Was was not with whites. It was with blacks because they were actually saying, telling me I shouldn't play that role, and I, I remember I remember that really making me feel very uncomfortable. Well, that must have weighed very heavy on you. Very, yeah, very. It, it was uh, it, it kind of really threw me because I I I thought the whole idea was that we could play anything, and then then somebody was saying yeah, but not that, and mm. and yeah. and um, that that uh, it, it caused me a lot of stress, a lot, a lot of stress. I was very unhappy doing that because well, I mean how did that impact on the act on you playing that part well well they would basically the, the local it was a voice newspaper at the time said that that black people should go and demonstrate their displeasure at mr harewood's choice of roles and at the start of the second half sloan has this big speech and every night they would get up people would get up and walk out black people would get up and walk out and it uh, and it was extraordinary. I, I would have to kind of just kind of just get through it and get on with it. Gosh, that really upsets me. That it, got, it upset me. Too, yeah, it, yeah. it really really upset me. And 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 uh, so uh, so so that was my first taste of consciousness. Yeah. In terms of being aware that uh, I was doing something which might be considered um, wrong. Wrong. Doing your job, but it's wrong. Yeah. That's uh, uh, that's absolutely fascinating. Mm. Did it stop you afterwards? Did you feel stymied in any way after that? No, not at all. And, and um, you know, I've, I've always, I, you know, I've, I was the first black actor to play Othello here. So, so, so I, you know, I, I, we're always kind of breaking new ground, I think, mm. in, in our generation. So, 
I, I just saw it as just another step in my development, my evolution, and, and, and um, it's never happened since. Yeah. I mean, there was a little thing with some television stuff that I'd done, but. Um, but you were ready for that. Yeah. It's the, 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 where where it's become for me difficult is is not necessarily. Uh, um, um, it's been it's been black people telling me I shouldn't do it as opposed to the other way around, which has been really bizarre. Yeah. Really bizarre. That is kind of bizarre, isn't yeah. it? But uh, would that, oh, well I suppose, yeah, th w would that then sort of change your mind about anything in the future? Or, or did you feel a responsibility all. then to your no, skin I colour? No, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I remember, again, when we did Katori Hall's The Mountaintop, which was a fantastic oh. play in the West End, really hilariously funny, very irreverent about Martin Luther King. But that was the whole point of it, is that I think people were there, came, came expecting to kind of sit there kind of, watching this kind of godlike figure and everybody found themselves laughing at this man and, and kind of really falling in love with the, with the man uh, uh, who, just who was flirting with the maid. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and I think it was very refreshing for people. But then my neighbor, who's an incredibly religious woman, uh, one, one night there was all this fuss, we, could, we heard all this fuss in the audience. People saying, no, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. And we kept thinking, who's saying that? And it was my neighbor. <laughs> And, and of I, course, I, I, I didn't, I didn't realise. So the next day, I went home, and she kind of literally came out the door, and said, "How dare you do that play? It was, this is a disgraceful thing to do that play. There was so much bad language, and he's a hero." And I said, "Whoa!" I said, "I'm an actor. This is theatre. In theatre, we can do what we like. Yeah. This is that's the whole point of the theatre: is that you put a story on the stage, you pull it apart, you examine it." I, there are no boundaries in theatre. It's important that there are no boundaries in theatre. Racial, sexual, you know, you know, you can do, that's what, we, that's what we're here for. Yeah. And I don't think she quite understood it, but I think she took my <coughs> point. And I was very adamant about it. I was very angry. It's the first time I've ever been angry with her. Mm. And, I th and I think she kind, of, she kind of backed down a little bit and, and, and kind of just kind of decided not, not to kind of pursue it. But I really was very angry with her. Well, yeah, but angry uh, advised by a, self, uh, a sense of righteousness, you know. That, that's kind of different than angry being yeah, not, ugly. Not, not, yeah. yeah, I was, only, I was, I was, just, ang I was just angry that, that, that she felt that I, again, maybe it was the, 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 the kid that, where people were walking, maybe it was that earlier experience that yeah. I was getting angry about. But I was just saying, no, 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 this is what we do in theatre. This is what we do as actors, you know, we tell stories. And um, how immersed in any character do you feel that you have to be in order to sort of be the person on the stage, so within the rehearsal process? Well, I don't take it home. Don't uh, you? No, I don't. I know, I heard of act, act, actors that do that, um, but no, I don't. I, I, I Excuse me. <laughs> no, I, I do take it home. Um, <laughs> 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 Theatre gods. No, no. <laughs> No, I, I don't take it home. I, I think, you know, we're in the rehearsal room. Uh, the, the thing that you have to, and I have a very strong handle on this, it's not the real world. Mm. Yeah. This is theatre. Yeah. It's something we've manufactured, we create. And you have to have, whilst you can be Im immersed in a character, of course, it's really important to do that. No matter how tiny the role is, you need to be absolutely in it. I, I saw a guy once uh, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's nest, nest, and for the whole play, he stood holding bars. That's all he did. He stood and he just ga gazed into nothingness. Uh, uh, the occasional profanity. That was it. That's all he did. And I thought, that's tremendous courage. I mean, the guy at the front there might be getting the award, but this that fella there is yeah. just superb. It's not the real world. You know, just 
it's what we make, we make, we make it up. Yeah. And whilst you are immersed in the character, it's important to be aware that there is an audience there, even though you don't, or you shouldn't, <laughs> break the fourth wall, this kind of imaginary wall that you have here. In Do you, are you tempted to break it? Uh, there were times, I yes. would have thought that's very uh, difficult absolutely. for a comic coming into acting, yeah. because it's what you know that every now and then, you know you've just that, you know, <laughs> hard, it's very hard. <laughs> It did us. Yeah, but you go, oh, darling, you're home from the shops. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did. It, uh, but lucky enough, my introduction to musical theatre, as I said earlier on, was for me and my girl. And a lot of that kind of was through this yeah. um, uh, opaque uh, fourth wall, if you like. Yeah. You, you knew they could see you and, and, and they knew you could see them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yes, okay, there's somebody you might want to pick up on that. I, I, I just wanted to state that obviously this career is so unpredictable. How much of succeeding in it do you think is your attitude and desire combined with luck? Oh, completely. Uh, I mean, as I said, I was fortunate just to get into get into the profession, but go, going into RADA, it was a fluke that I, was I no still to this though. day have no idea where that, where that letter where that letter is. All the others got there. I never got. Uh, I never got a, a letter. Um, phone call from phone their call principals. From, from yeah. Lambda or Gildor. It was just Rada. Mm. Just the letter just didn't get there. So um, destiny. That's what. Well, it was. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. boat mark yeah. destiny. I, I do. I do think there's a, a huge. Well, somebody said, you know, you've got to be. Destiny is being free of your fate, but available to your destiny. It's, it's being right, in living in the present. Yeah. Know, there's, there's, there's no future or, 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 or past, and I, I think I've been very lucky that I've try to remain when I can. I, I try to remain in the present and just be available when you, you know, it's, it is almost being in the right place at the right time. And there have been some extremely difficult days, really uh, uh, difficult days and down days, but um, managed to get through it. And, um, uh, but a, but a, a lot of it is part, partly, uh, partly talent, but a lot of it is luck. I think, I think it is a lot, an awful lot of luck. But yet, you know, you have to be ready when the luck arrives. Yeah. And if you're not, the boat sails past. It's yeah. as simple as that. Or yeah. you, you cock it up. Or, you know, it's just not. Um, so, yeah, there's an awful lot of luck. Meeting the right people. being mm. I mean, we've heard of those stories of guys sitting in, in conference rooms trying to decide who they want. One of them gets out, gets in the lift, the door's open, and they go, you're the fellow we've been looking for. Yeah. You know, we've been yeah. talking about you without knowing it all afternoon. Um, so it is, re yeah, really lucky. Kind of amazing, isn't it? But you know, you, you make your own luck to, by being charming, by being pleasant to people. Mm, yeah. You know, people that are not very nice don't work. So when you've got that mystery of, well, I haven't seen him for years, that's because he's a git. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody particularly <laughs> has a nice time with him. But it's an interesting one, that, isn't yeah, it? It is, so yeah, yeah. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I was delighted to chair this. And um, what can I say? It's been a privilege to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you Dave and Gary.